Welcome to the cost of convenience. Uh, episode four. Thanks to time and space, these are all happening congruently. We haven't we haven't had time off in between. <laughs> I uh, definitely didn't leave the state and come back. Yeah, no. Uh, I am your host, Patrick Thomas Perkins. Like, I'm Rochelle. I'm eating the tail off of a chameleon gummy. Sorry, guys. Uh, Thing. Don't worry, I'm deleting this whole part. No! <laughs> Welcome to the Cost of Convenience. Uh, this is the podcast that's discussing... Uh, How about the Cost of Convenience soars on society? I like that. The Cost of Convenience on society. And uh, we've discussed the history of shopping in America. We've discussed specifically convenience stores. And we've discussed kind of the personal history of one Mr. John Pancinetti and him running Plaid Pantry. Moving forward, he will be referred to as Papa John. Absolutely, because I'm I'm like, I'm 60% sure I'm pronouncing it right. And only 60, and, and it's not a strong 60. It's a like... I'm fudging the numbers to get to 60% sure. Um, Your thumb in that scale, baby. Yeah. So Papa John's history is one thing. Uh, and it's kind of the, the what I would consider the school history is what I've presented you. Right? And I The wanted, official history. Yes. From the company's perspective for the most part. And, and I, I don't want this to be a hit piece on John specifically. Uh, but he knows what he did. He knows what he did. And also, right off the top, this is going to be probably the only episode with uh, trigger warning, content warning, um, because there's a couple of episodes of Law & Order SVU hidden inside of this episode. But otherwise, I will be like, hey, a thing's going to happen, if I remember. <laughs> we'll see how well I remember. We'll um, figure it out either way. Um, no Mariska Hargitay, though, unfortunately. Yes. We weren't able to get her in time. We weren't. Uh, we have iced tea, but it's just on the table. It's just... <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So <laughs> we we discussed John before, and one of the things uh, we were talking about when we tried this before was the fact that he got rich very quickly, in a sense. He was a very hard worker. And, like, uh, right up until the bottle return bill, when he becomes really wealthy, um, he is putting in... 12 to, to, according to some articles, 12 to 20 hour days, right? And this is definitely hyperbole, right? Like, it's definitely him saying, I was there from 8 to 12 or whatever, right? Like, it's... Yeah. Uh, but there is... I, I do not doubt his work ethic because he's the first generation son. There's that model minority myth. Well, and you've, you've provided examples of, like, his dedication to, like, being personally involved like if someone would call report that a plaid pantry was not clean he would call them up tell them they need to take care of it so he personally addressed the problem or and, the the stand the stand up or the hold up that happened in the parking lot yeah yeah the, where he where he's like hey hey you can you can hold up the parking lot but i still want to do business yeah yeah so we say maybe there were days that he didn't work that much, but he definitely put in a lot of effort, and his face was visible. And a he lot. was, and 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 he was Catholic, which I think. Oh God. Yeah, which I think <laughs> that that puts a lot of guilt on you when you enjoy yourself, and but but also historically, Catholic communities really care about their local community. Right, like they wanna, they want to impress God or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, it's a very offhand way of putting it, but it's it's they they traditionally people of the Catholic faith, especially 
in the early to mid 20th century were very considerate of their community and each other. Yeah. Um, so all of that said, I would like to present in this episode the people's history, the Howard Zinn version yeah. of uh, Plaid Pantry. And where he missed, he definitely did miss the mark, unfortunately, in taking care of the community and the folks that work for him. Because if there's, because thing, the to me, the reason we do the people's history is because there's one Papa John, yeah. and if there's a hundred stores, there's anywhere from five to seven people at each of those stores. That's somewhere around 600 people's lives who are actually working at Plaid and making each individual store run and be efficient. And so that's 600 lives that are impacted by Plaid Pantry at least in one given day. Yeah, exactly, because that, that's that's not accounting for how much uh, turnover there likely is in that industry. Because, yeah, in one year there might be, what, 20 different people that work at one location, yeah. if not more. And that's, that's not counting what happens to people who go into the store. Exactly. everybody makes friends. A lot of people make friends with their clerk or at least are on an acquaintance basis where you're like, I can't tell you how many crushes I had. Right, and that's gonna make me be polite, and it's gonna make me be interested in those right. people's lives. I'm not gonna be like, "Hey, what's your number?" But I'm gonna be like, "You're also not gonna like just throw merchandise at him and be like, take it. I like you.'" Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be happy when I hear they had a good day. So if they're smiling, I'm gonna want to find out. Like, ooh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so our two big reference points, I think, culturally for what a clerk's day to day life is, uh, would be kind of a poo from The Simpsons. And Clerks the Movie by Kevin Smith. Maybe, if you're a little nerdier, Clerks the Animated Series oh also by God. Kevin Smith. Oh my God, don't even with me right now. <laughs> but, I'd like to block that out. It was fine, but it was pretty self-indulgent. It was very, from what I saw. it was incredibly <laughs> If I'm like 17 years old and I'm like, hmm. But I think on one end, Clerks is the romanticized kind of hipster cool version of what we think is going on for convenience store clerks. And Apu from The Simpsons, I would say, is our very racialized perspective of the convenience store industry, as well as, like, not even really being honest about what their job likely entailed. Yeah. Like, he, he's definitely a side character beyond some of the other side characters in the show, and when his personal life is shown, it's super fucked up. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's also... It's... It normalizes all of that, and it normalizes that people live like that. And yeah. I'm not—I'm not normally a person who's like video games and media normalize violence or they normalize blah blah blah. But I think it shows what our social uh, kind of—it's—it's it's not necessarily acceptable that people live that way, but it means that we've accepted that people live that way, which I think is part of why a lot of the things that I'm about to describe happen, part of the reason they happen. Did I give the content warning? Yes, you did. Well, once again, this is going to be the only episode with the content warning. From 1962-63, when the stores open, right, and then he does that thing where he stays open an extra hour, immediately stores are robbed kind of on a, a very regular basis. One article in 1968 says that it averages once a week to at least three times a month and by 1968 there were instances of as many as three times a week 
the same store being robbed. Uh, and as a result of this, a lot of little things are happening. I want to I wanna clarify some language, too, before we proceed. Because there's robberies and there's thefts. Right? Yeah, robbery is like trying to take from the till, I'm assuming. Yeah, and a theft is much more. Thefts are happening on a... The, all of this comes with the caveat of this is just what makes it into the newspaper. Right? So anything I'm about to describe or tell you was what made it into print. This isn't things that happened to clerks on their way home that they didn't tell anybody about. Mm -hmm. This isn't things that people didn't report because they were ashamed or because, like, they they couldn't for whatever reason. Maybe something happened to them from a person higher up and they never reported it. Or mm -hmm. that th that's a big caveat. I can't describe things that weren't in the newspaper that I don't know about. But you can definitely fill in the piece fill in the blanks based on the experience you've had personally working. Yeah, and the, and and there is still a lot in the newspaper because again, immediately like it's it's bizarre because I I at first you're reading kind of these daily chunks in the newspaper about deals and locations opening and then it just starts being robbery, 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 <laughs> robbery. Oh and I can tell you the same article over and over again. A person approaches the counter indicates that they have a weapon or presents a weapon and then leaves with anywhere from 25 to 150 dollars and this just happens night in night out right and smaller amounts probably aren't reported of these robberies and thefts aren't reported at all if somebody just comes in and steals some beer that's not mm -hmm. worth the newspaper story so all of these things have an impact on the clerks while they're there and that's that's the thing I don't think people think about too much in these instances is that you, like, when you get stolen from, like, if somebody just comes in and does a beer run or takes a bunch of ice cream, we, we would have in my store what we'd call shoppers, which is people who would come in and pretend like they were grabbing things for, like, to shop, and then they would just walk out with all of it. And those were our favorite because there's no, there's nothing weird <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Like somebody just comes in, they grab their ice cream, their pizza, and their soda, and they walk out. And you're like, oh, sweet. That's it. I just have to write a report. Yeah, there's no threat to you or your safety. But there's also people who will start throwing things at you because they don't want you to know what they actually took. Or they'll start getting in your face because you're like, hey, don't take that. You know, and there you get confrontational. You don't know how other people are going to react. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I think we are maybe more polite in the 60s and 70s, but we're closer to interpersonal violence in a way we aren't today. There's a lot more just fistfights break out and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe people are a little more used to it, but I guarantee that if this is happening all the time, there are people getting serious PTSD from this, right? There mm -hmm. are people who are suffering injuries that they aren't gonna have diagnosed until years later, you know? Like, there's a... There's a Sorry, I'm laughing because it's funny, you know, like if you just picture the scene, mm -hmm. but these kids come up to a counter and uh, they have uh, old style Coke glasses and they hit this guy over the head and it shatters and he stands up stu like he's stunned and he stands up and the kids think he's like, like enraged, but he's just trying to stay standing yeah. and the kids bolt because just him staying standing like oh i don't want to fall looks oh like he's gosh. about to murder them but like that dude could have had a concussion mm -hmm. right who knows if those cuts are infected and like two years later he 
finds out he has gangrene. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not house, clearly, but like... No, yeah. I just <laughs> I just use a cane and like Vicodin. It's very... Like, I, very similar to house. <laughs> but that means you have PTSD in addition to the duties you have to carry out. And in... And again, I don't know exactly what the duties were. I don't know exactly how long these shifts were. But in 1976, there is one article that expresses that labor unions sued Plaid Pantry because employees were working 66-hour weeks, 11-hour shifts. Ugh. Right. That With, sounds awful. Yeah. And the... The messed up thing is that's still going on. We'll discuss that in the last section. This is the the historical part, and then we're going to finish off with kind of things that have happened, things people have tried to do, and what we can do. But I want to I finish up the history. Um, so there's—in 1968, that's when, we, that's when I got those statistics for about three times a month, and there's all kinds of weird, crazy stories inside there. There's one story of a guy who basically just goes up Burnside— like three different nights a week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and robs just all the convenience stores, not just plaid. Like there's like just all of them. Yeah. And he eventually gets caught, but like he has a week of just robbing. And there are a few articles that discuss the fact that like uh backtracking for a second, twenty-four hour days don't exist. Twenty four hour business days aren't mm-hmm. a thing the way we know it. And we talked about so it. So this is one of the few places that's actually open that late. Yeah. Everything else is closed. People are in bed or Yeah. Like you know. you know how Adult Swim used to work on Cartoon Network, how it used to be like the Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, and then infomercials. And when it's infomercials, you're like, oh it's late. When it's Adult Swim, you're like, oh it's kinda late. Yep. Plaid is open during Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Right. In in old timey terms. Like if you yeah. can and because of that, like, people aren't uh, out and about. So these robberies, it's easier to get away with. And there's the police aren't around as much either. Like, there isn't a 24-hour... Like, there is a 24-hour police presence, but it's one of those things where it's just, like, two dudes in a car. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's not... It's 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 not, like, grid networks with radio... Pa- it's, it's very... And people thought the police were a joke at the time. And the police aren't a uniform network. It's not until, like, the 70s that Portland police are a thing. Until then, all those individual neighborhoods... Had their own, like, police departments. So it's kind of like fire departments almost. Yeah, and the fire departments were the same way. Yeah. So, like, there's there's, uh, that Errol County, that Errol Township. Mm -hmm. It is so poor in 1969. They don't have uh, elected officials. They don't have a police department. When their fire department gets calls, they usually call other fire departments. Oh my gosh. The power goes out at night because sometimes the the area just doesn't pay the bills. But you can rent a house for like a hundred bucks a month. So and on a fixed income of 150 bucks a month, that's a good deal. Yeah. Uh, and then in the middle of that, there's there is uh, here's another thing clerks have to deal with gangs. Right, because especially in the sixties and seventies, we don't have uh, the the notion we have of gangs today, which are pretty racist and probably based on the wire and the shield. But we have much more of like the outsiders or like um, oh, crap. Now I can't think of that. Uh, uh, warriors, come out! Like, oh. like there <laughs> is there was on seventy sixth and Holgate a plaid pantry gang. That's hilarious. It gets better. Because their aged 
12 to 20, and the newspaper goes out of the way to tell you that they are drunk, right? Mm. Like, they're like, other gangs, you see them smoking in on drugs. These kids are drunk. They're just sauced. Yeah. Which means you're walking around at, like, midnight, the lights go out, and a bunch of, like, preteens. Just gonna... A bunch of drunk preteen boys come at you. There's no... I would rather face, like, werewolves. Like, I would... Yeah. Damn. That's... That's but you're bananas. but you're in a store. All those kids show up. They decide they're gonna steal all the beer and leave. Right? They're not affiliated with the store. They're not like like John didn't like recruit a bunch of preteens to be like you guys are gonna rep the plaid. They they rep the plaid because they're stealing from it all the freaking time and they're hanging out there all the time. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so nineteen seventy in November seventeenth of nineteen seventy is the first shooting. Oh. Yeah. And it's an elderly man. He's about 53. He does not die. Uh, it appears to have been a shallow wound, but it was in the middle of a robbery. He didn't even, it sounds like he didn't even try to be like a hero or anything. Like he might have been like, oh no, don't take the money. But he didn't, he didn't try anything and he just got shot. And mm. that's, that's another thing that's like super crazy about a lot of robberies is people don't necessarily mean to injure the person they're they're committing the robbery to, mm-hmm. right? Because back in the day, there's no cameras until the late the mid mid to early eighties. Actually, there's no cameras, and even when there are cameras, they're very grainy still photos. So it's it's hard to. <laughs> I'll show you the po- pictures later, but like the first few photos, you're like that could have been Sasquatch. Like mm-hmm. it's that could be anybody. So. Uh, there's, there's also, and notoriously for eyewitnesses accounts during these encounters are hard to rely upon because you're, you're super stressed. You focus on weird details. You're like, mm-hmm. he had a red shirt. I don't know what color his eyes were. Things yeah. like that. No, I mean, eyewitness accounts have been problematic for, so, a, we've known they've been problematic for a long time. And in a robbery, everybody is nervous because you thought like nobody going into a robbery goes into it calm. And nobody going into a robbery is doing it because, like, it's their it's their Wednesday. You know what I mean? Like, right. something has to have happened that motivates you to need to commit a robbery. Either you have, like, a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or you're hungry. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, or, like, there's a, there's a thing that you need to pay for and it's come to the point where you have to get that money now. So, after this, there's, there's definitely, um, I, I, I don't know when the first killing is. Right, but it happens sometime between seventy and seventy-five. I, I marked it down, but I cannot find it in my notes. I'm just gonna read like three of my bookmark names: uh, robbery innovation, cans, letter to editor about cans. I'm very, I'm very good about my note taking. So very thorough. So I don't remember when the exact first murder is. Right, but in here is your first big content warning. Um, in 1975, Barbara Karenko is sexually assaulted and murdered at one of the stores. Um, what happened is sh- uh, late night clerks are alone from approximately 10 to midnight, right? And everybody that works at the store knows this. And we've already kind of expressed that there's a very high turnover rate. People get really stressed out at this job, and eventually, I I knew of a dude, this is a real thing that happened to a friend of mine. She was at work, the other guy went on his break, got on his motorcycle, and drove away. Oh my god. And, like, that's horrible to do to another person, 
But if you're going to do it, like, that's the way to do that it. That is like, the coolest way like, to do just, it. Just screw you guys. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this happens a lot. And this is going on during the 60s and 70s, too. Uh, and there are some efforts made to um, hire people who wouldn't normally get jobs. And it's that double, it's that weird thing where I don't know if it's somebody trying to save a buck or somebody trying to do the right thing. Because they're willing to hire ex-felons. And I get the impression some of it is is John being Catholic and believing in people being able to achieve salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being like, no, people deserve a chance to work their way up. But it's also like, hey, I don't have to pay a felon a living wage. Like, they're just, they are the they're, bottom. They're just happy to be nominated, you know? So... It's, I, I don't know your, where your cynicism is. You can decide where that is. Mm-hmm. But the individual that committed the assault, he came from the East Coast and had actually been in a asylum for the criminally insane mm. and came here and became fixated on Barbara. Barbara was a 39-year-old single mother. And what would happen is every night at 10 o'clock, her son would call her, or 10 or 11, her son would call her and she would wish him a good night. I don't know what happened to the father, but he was out of the picture. Okay. And that's a that's a thing that's pretty common in this era too, especially in these jobs, is it's a lot of women who have to work two jobs where they go to a diner in the morning or they seamstress in the morning or some sort of one service industry job in the morning, see the kids in the afternoon, go to another job at night, sleep, work, kid like that mm-hmm. so she is one of these individuals and she has a ten year old son when she's thirty nine. So I don't, again, don't know if she's widowed or divorced, but husband is out of the picture. Son calls her on a nightly basis. This other guy has been fired, um, but he had fixated on her and like knew she was going to be alone because everybody knows the clerks are alone from that time frame. From that time frame. Yeah. Um, And through some amount of machinations, he had a knife. So maybe he threatened her, maybe he was just hanging out with her and, like, found a crime of opportunity. Either way, he stabbed and raped her to death. And <sighs> it gets worse. Because her, she had not answered the call to her son that night. No. Yeah, he decided to come and investigate. Like, oh. why isn't mom? And so, sorry, this is, like, fucking with me a little bit. Um... So he walks in on the end result of this and is obviously distraught and leaves screaming, right? Directly across the street at 52nd and Burnside, it's actually a very busy police intersection, and there's a lot of speedsters on Burnside. Burnside is kind of like the original freeway for town, okay? Uh, Because it's the dividing line, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So the police are running a speed trap, and they see this kid go into a store and run out crying, and they're like, all right, well, I guess we'll police. <laughs> right? right, I guess we'll do our job. And they go inside and they come upon this crime scene and they shoot the man. Uh, again, in front of this kid. Oh my gosh. And um, arrest the man. But there's no, there's nothing to be done for Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know what... I will, I will say this to John's credit. Is that it sounds like he did at least help the kid get some sort of housing stability. It sounds like, because it, 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 nothing says he gave money to the kid, but there's no, I feel like people would have said, this guy just said, screw you, kid, you're on your own. You know what I mean? And I feel like somebody 
as as strongly Catholic as this man had to of at least for my conscience's sake, I have to assume he did something to help. Yeah, but, it'd be interesting to find out, but I also don't want to pry into someone's life. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, so, and and like, this isn't the only time something like this happens. In that that's in November or sorry, September fourteenth of nineteen seventy five. In May first of nineteen seventy six. A woman is kidnapped by two men from work at the end of her shift. And so, of course, nobody knows. Uh, She's taken and assaulted, at least physically assaulted. There's Mm -hmm. no, I mean, and that's another thing. Like, if nobody, again, if nobody Nobody reported it, it doesn't mean it didn't necessarily happen. But we don't have clear evidence that it did. And in this era, from the 60s up until the late 80s, there is a steady criminal trend of fucking monstrous men being like nah i'll just abduct somebody right and if you're <sighs> and and the reason this lack of a 24-hour day is crucial to understanding this is that that means nobody is around to see any of this right nobody is so if you get kidnapped at 12 at night and you don't report to work the next day at 3 p.m that's a lot of hours to lose your trail and notoriously, Oregon is famous for being like the the, the FBI has has uh, labeled us as like uh, we're a great place for serial killers. It's easy to hide a body here, and that also played into a lot of these abductions. I'm assuming. Yeah, and and there's a lot of similar crimes where people will like order a cab to really far away at the end of a Friday night because the cab company is not going to be able to do anything maybe until Monday morning because they're not expecting their cab driver back. And so some dude is left in the middle of the Dallas with a concussion and no money, right? And somebody has his cab and a bunch of cash. So it's, it, it's crimes like this are common throughout Portland, but it keeps happening because in, in the case of Plaid, they're the only ones open and there's nobody to witness them. Mm-hmm. And for many years, there are, I, I can't tell you how many robberies there are. Like, like the, It's innumerable. Yeah, I, I just stopped reading them at, at a certain point. Because like, like I said, they're all the same. Somebody comes in, they brandish a weapon, they threaten somebody's life. Um, they may or may not kill that person, depending. Yeah, and in 1985, the first 24-hour store is opened. So it stops being until, like, they've inched along from, like, 11 to 12 to 1, and then finally they're, like, we're open all the time. And this also creates a new wave of robberies, right? So in the 60s, it goes from, it, it goes from like, you never see these kind of robberies, really, and then they're all over the place, to same thing happening in 85. Uh, I couldn't find my article for this to show you, but in 1980, the first murder of the year is a plaid pantry clerk who goes to stop somebody from doing a beer run, uh, oh follows them out the store, and is shot outside the store. So here's a question I have. Are there repercussions for you, like, for things being stolen while you're on the clock? No. Okay, but... But, but the store has a certain amount that you're allowed to have steal stolen before the store gets charged. Okay. So you're, you're like, they anticipate, this is a made-up number, but they anticipate, like, $150 in theft, right? And then if you have $200 in theft, 
that $50 comes out of the manager's commission or the assistant manager's commission or, or one of those things. Because, like, I guess I'm just wondering, like... And in the past, it was like that a little bit more. Okay. Right. And a lot of a lot of what happens is somebody gets hurt or somebody gets killed, and so they change the rules. Like, we're not supposed to chase beer runners, but it used to be you chase down beer runners. Yeah. I, I was in a store when, like, the off-the-clock clerk was there, and he just stood in front of the door and didn't let him go out. Yeah. But he's like, typically, I'm not even supposed to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's like, your, very, your level of commitment varies, but it also... Your ability to... I never did much because I can't handle violence. I'm, I'm disabled and I'm pretty easy to break. But I also have friends who have gotten into tussles with people because, like I said, it gives you a PTSD and it a, a symptom of PTSD is hyperaggression at times mm-hmm. because you feel a need to reinforce your boundaries because they've been broken so much. And you want to have a situation where you can feel like you're in power. Yeah. So by 1986... What you're dealing with is a 24-hour day, a steady number of thefts, uh, an enormous number, like a a pretty consistent number of robberies. Because they stopped getting reported on as much. uh, Because A, you have the TV news, and if it leads, it bleeds, right? But also, like, they stop being sexy. There starts being more things to put in the newspaper. Everybody is used to convenience stores getting robbed yeah it's not considered news it's considered an expected outcome and as we discussed in the last episode by 81 85 oregon is leading the nation in in property robberies and property theft right so so it's all we're used to a lot of the the water has started boiling and the frogs haven't noticed right Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more crime there's air quotes crime because the same time the racist and corrupt police institution isn't actually enforcing laws nearly as much as they're maybe extorting uh, criminal enterprises. Yeah, right? and, and harassing minorities. And so the impact of all that is that you have people, and that's another thing, is consistently high turnover, like we discussed, because it's easier to walk away from these problems than to solve them. And Barbara Karenko is the first, is the most extreme example of this that I've seen. I don't, I don't know of any other stories where people are raped and murdered in front of their fucking kids. Yeah. Right? So, sorry. Uh, but there are consistently these things happening. So you go into this job knowing I have to do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, and you know that there's a potential that something really dangerous is going to happen. And that's where I would like to stop for this episode. Okay. At the at the kind of like, here's the reality. And I want to, yeah. Okay. Catch my breath for a minute, too. Right. So Patrick wanted me to let you folks know that uh, I sell artwork. And I do. I predominantly do poor painting, which is the most uh, elegant way of saying I have ruined uh, my chances of getting my deposit back at my apartment. If you folks are interested in looking at the visual art that I have created, um, you can go to at whore for poor on Instagram. So W-H-O-R-E-F-O-R-P-O-U-R. Yeah, I spelled that right. Uh, And you can see my artwork. At this time, I'm not really interested in doing commission. But if there's a piece that's listed for sale, just send me a direct message and we'll see what we can do about getting that in your hands. This is the credit portion of the Cost of Convenience podcast. Unless otherwise specified, all information was obtained through the Oregonian's historical archive or by personal experience. We were recorded by Rochelle Cody. 
we were edited by Patrick Thomas Perkins, who also supervised and researched. Uh, after I edited it, I realized that I had a few thinks that I hadn't given when Rochelle and I recorded, and I wanted to do so now. The first one is to my son. Thank you very much. I love you. I appreciate all the help you've been. I would like to also thank Julia Bemis, May Chomet, Dustin Abels, and Baby James for being amazing co-workers while I was at Plaid Pantry. I would also like to thank Ash Alexander, Crystal Kordowski, and Jaron Wales for their assistance with the research. I have a lot of personal friends I should thank, but in particular, I would like to make note of Joe Hieronymus, Tony Burgess, Allison Beckwith, and Chelsea Margaret and Lion Mermaid, who were a great deal of support. Uh, and I'd like to thank the comedy community, because people wouldn't have heard about the boycott if it wasn't for you guys. In particular, I'd like to thank for that Jane Malone, Belinda Carroll, and Coor Coheen. Thank you, Dirty Angel, as well, in particular, Courtney and Tyrone Collins. If you would like to say thank you to me, uh, I am currently disabled, unemployed, and not on disability or unemployment. Uh, and if you'd like to support me financially, you can... Venmo at Patrick-Thomas-Perkins, Cash App at PTP Mr. Megalomania, that's P-T-P-M-R-M-E-G-L-O-M-A-N-I-A, or PayPal at Patrick-Thomas-Perkins, all one word. Once again, thank you, and please don't forget the cost of convenience. <laughs>